Trash. Trash. I saw that you're drinking. Are you drinking tea? Are are you drinking coffee? What are you drinking? I'm actually drinking coffee because it's evening and um, I'm really tired. So (laughs) I'm drinking coffee. I appreciate (laughs) it. I know it's a few hours in the future over there. So I do appreciate you taking the time out. I'm actually, I started yawning too. So I got some green tea and hibiscus. Green tea oh, and hibiscus. Oh. <laughs> uh, English. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I I stay cultured. Even though I live here in Ohio oh, sure. and I shoot guns, I still stay cultured. <laughs> I, 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 are you a, a UK native? I I was born here, yeah. Yeah. So, um... No legal guns here, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, no, there's not. No, it, you know, it's always, uh, it's always interesting to get other uh, people's perspective on, on firearms because, um... You know, I got a lot of friends, especially because of Twitch and the podcast. I've made a lot of friends around the world, and they're always so flabbergasted by, like, just the the casual gunplay that we have going on over here, which, uh, sure. you know, I know when you look at the at the headlines, all you see is another, pers- another person walking into a public space and, and shooting a bunch of people. I don't know. Where where do you stand? I, I, I'm not trying to get divisive here, but, like, well, how do you I know, feel? I, know, I totally know. And I understand that there's a balance here because, like you said, you, you only kind of hear those stories. But, you know, um, I, I, I see, like I'm sure like the majority of gun owning Americans are responsible, you know, and have stopped many situations with those firearms as well. But you never really hear of those stories. you know. No, so, um, no there's definitely um, a narrative that's being pushed. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's the same with the media here. They kind of push narratives um, to where they want public opinion to kind of go. Yeah. So yeah, I'm always quite wary of, of media. <laughs> you gotta be, man. You gotta be. I mean, like, I, I feel like the entire world got a big dose of like of reality with the the pandemic. I think once you saw, sure. you know, like even in your country, you're seeing Boris partying, yet you're not allowed to like go to church <laughs> or go to you know or or go and yeah. play music with your friends or hang out or you can't see your loved ones in the hospital. But yeah, yet yeah. you got Boris over here, you know, blowing cocaine off exactly. of hookers' butts and stuff. And it, 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 yeah. they did it with such uh, fragrant, flagrant, uh, uh, just, 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 it was terrible. Like, they, it, and yeah. the media yeah. was there to sort of catch it all and, and filter it for it nicely. Exactly. So I don't oh, know. It's, it's, it's really, it's criminal, really, actually, because, you know, a lot of, a lot of people were isolated from elderly, you know, mm-hmm. who, were, who were forced to kind of die alone. And yet, like, the people who were putting it on the people were just parties, but they were partying, you know, they were yeah. like, like yeah. Downing Street having parties and drinking champagne, you know, so, yeah. yeah and then they're blaming it, it yeah, and blaming it on people, oh, so, well, if you don't isolate yourself, then you're part of the problem, yet here we are, yeah, yeah. we're seeing yeah. all, everyone going nuts, yeah, like, I had a lot of family out in California who was just like, they didn't even, it wasn't even like a pandemic happened, they're just like, they didn't care, they're just... And here in Ohio, I mean, uh, February of 2021, we were open. We were just like, even in 2020, people were having music festivals here in Ohio. Like, they did not no. care. <laughs> Ohio does not care. Um, yeah, I would like, yeah, yeah. but in any case, I, uh, I, I, uh, 
whatever, you know, I, I think the perspective to have is to take everything with a grain of salt, right? Like, you can't, you yeah, can't. there's a lot of, there's a lot of agendas that play on there. So, um, it yeah. is <laughs> very strange, very strange times, but, um, exactly, I, yeah. I, I, uh, you know, like you said, you've been making music since 1997. I mean, that's a good amount of time. Uh, what, what got you into music? What was your first instruments? Like who, who's your influences? You know, I mean, did you have family? Do you, are you in a musical family? I mean, let, let um, me... Yeah, I've actually been making music for a lot longer than that, to be honest. Like, um, I started playing piano, it was my first instrument, and I took that up at about age of five. So um, none of my family kind of musical, because they could never really afford to, like, have music lessons and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so I got piano lessons from the age of five to the age of 16. I got to about grade seven. So uh, after that, I kind of, like lost interest in kind of piano and I was getting more interested in kind of guitars and I was a bit of a grunger. So then that was <laughs> kind of in the early nineties, I was a big kind of Soundgarden, Nirvana, Alice yeah. in Chains kind of guy. Yeah. So I started playing bass and um, luckily my dad's friend is an old kind of musician. He's kind of like always kind of nearly made it, but not quite. So he had all these instruments like a bass guitar and a drum kit. He had these amplifiers and he also had this kind of TIAC reel to reel four track. Like back oh, in the yes. day. Oh, yes. Um, so, I, yeah, I used that when I was like 13. It's just like write my own riffs and write my own songs, learn to play all the instruments. And then uh, my friend kind of got me big into dance music, like electronic music, like Orbital. And um, we started going raving, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. DJing. Where, where, you in, uh, where were you at this time? Were you in London? Where were you? Yeah, this is all London. Wow. This is all London. So, yeah. like, the London the London um, electronic scene, was, was uh, were you doing, like, the warehouses and stuff like that? Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. We were um, part of that kind of warehouse rave, free party. Were, were you into were you into like the the ecstasy and and partying on that level and stuff? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I you know, so, yeah. it's a well. The, the interesting thing about a scene like that is that the it's not just the music, right? It's like the people involved. It's the drugs that are involved. It's exactly. the it's the time. Uh, it's the it's the you know the time of your environment and and what's going on around you and that, and. You know, it, it's just that culture is a response to what's going on. So, I mean, the music and the drugs, you know, I think I think the drugs and, and, and the people going and the music is, you know, they're all equally as important because it, it is a movement. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. And there was a there was a definite kind of energy in the 90s, I guess. Yeah. Kind of MDMA and ecstasy, you know, it was a really a, a wave. <clears throat> And like, uh, yeah, we kind of rode it quite hard. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we rode it quite hard. Oh my god! No, like uh, the thing about ecstasy or MDMA is like it's really fun. It's really like a good time. But then it's like, man, I just feel like my brain is garbage the day after. It's like I don't... exactly. I think the more you do it, <laughs> yeah, you know, it just takes away more from you and your moodier and yeah you never get as high you know yeah so you're always chasing this thing and it's like oh man it, it was did it did, did you find that the scene itself was sort of taking a toll on you or did was your youth just yeah oh, okay. definitely definitely um i say all my serotonin was gone <laughs> <laughs> so like i had to have a break and um I guess because I was really involved in the dance music scene at the time as well as kind of going there, I was working at um, 
um, a dance distribution company. So oh, okay. cutting vinyl. Wow. DJing. So it's all intermixed, you know. It all oh, and all the drums, so you were DJing scene. too as well. Exactly, yeah. Oh. So I was DJing before really I started producing properly, you know, in the studio. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, yeah. And I started a few local labels, um, cutting vinyl. And like I said, I was working for an independent distribution company. So mm-hmm. we were, had kind of exclusive labels they would distribute. So I started a label there. I was DJing for them. And that scene was very, you know, a very destructive scene, I'd say. <laughs> you know? In which ways? It was fun. But, right. um, <laughs> you know, I looked at people who were still doing it. At the time, I was young. I was in my 20s. Right. You know, there's people coming in, getting records who are like in their 50s and like <laughs> state of some of them. And, you know, these people had like gurned their teeth off. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. No, it it is interesting to see people who are just like in the scene. They're still going hard in the scene. Like um, there, there's like this hippie music scene here. Like, uh, you know, if people follow the Grateful Dead or whatever, or Fish or something. It's like. You see these people on the lot, the parking lot is where everybody's like selling their grilled cheeses and necklaces and drugs and shit. So, uh, I mean, you go, I I, I remember going on tour with the dead at at 20 and then like going to the dead like 15 years later and seeing the same person like doing the same shit. (laughs) And it's just like, holy shit, like, how do you even, how did you exist? Like, what is your existence like? I don't... Exactly, yeah, yeah. It was never... Yeah, definitely. It, yeah, I kind of saw that and always thought in my head, I'm not going to be like that. <laughs> I'm going to have found something better to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the good thing about uh, being able to throw yourself into work. You can sort of uh, circumvent those the the party because you're like well it's either i go party or i work and work on stuff that i like doing or sometimes you try to make them both one and that 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 never worked for me i could never party and like work on music at the same time i have to be it's like i could smoke weed and make music but i can't just be like you know uh taking molly and and dropping shrooms and just like let's go i'm gonna gonna make music it's like i don't know how people do it but it gets done you know it's not something (laughs) people do do it so whatever so that's really awesome did you ever now was the like manchester electronic scene was that a little bit were you uh during that or was that after that um I, I did. I went to Manchester a few times to play, so um, it was quite linked. I mean, at the at the time, it was kind of a minimal techno scene. Mm. So there was a lot of like, um, we used to rock a lot of Jeff Mills and stuff like that. I'm not sure if you're aware of Richie Horton, and but there was also a lot of kind of London minimal techno. Um, mm-hmm. But Manchester was similar. There was a lot of techno coming from Manchester, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure which Manchester techno scene you're, you're referring well, to. Well, no, because I guess the techno scene, I guess it wasn't really techno, because I'm talking about, like, the Happy Monday type thing, because I know oh, okay. that they were, like, okay. late 80s, yeah, early 90s. Yeah, for sure, 90s. for sure. Like, and, like, yeah, that, it, was, that was earlier, I would say. That okay, was so of, you were a little yeah, bit after yeah. that. Okay, okay. Yeah, and I know sure, that wasn't that, necessarily yeah. techno, but it was sort of no, the no, beginning. No, was, that was kind of the big acid rave kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I know that yeah, the yeah. raving thing, and, you know, that movie, whatever that movie was that came out. For sure, yeah. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I know what you mean. I also have homies yeah. in Manchester who were like DJed and stuff during the scene too. And I think, what was it? the where- what, It was called The Warehouse, wasn't it? Wasn't that one of the big yeah, clubs yeah, there? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And there is amazing, you know, Manchester's always had a, an amazing music scene, you know, mm. just generally. 
It, it's Manchester's working class. Is, is that true? Is that a working class type of environment? Um, uh, most most northern cities I, I would associate themselves with working class. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, um, and they're kind of like um, Tory hating. Yeah, <laughs> they hate the t- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tory hating. But then most people do. So. <laughs> if, if you could have guns, they would be the ones that had the guns. So, so you, uh, so you were at this time sort of producing and making music and and playing these these raves and sort of getting in the scene there. Uh, what? When did things start sort of shift? Like when were? When did you start like making a living off of making music? For sure. Well, it's been a quite a struggle, really, because. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was young, so this is when I was like 21, yeah. 22, I was working at the music distribution company. I was getting paid to DJ and I was selling like um, about five to 7,000 records each release. Wow. And then that's pretty it kind of all. Yeah, it was good. It was going to be road on the way, you know, vinyl. <laughs> this was at a time when like DJs were getting paid like 100 grand to mix for a couple of hours, you know, wow. like Carl Cox and even even like Armin van Helden, you know, he, he who couldn't even DJ, you know, he was getting paid ridiculous amounts. He couldn't even beat mix, you know, he was <laughs> outrageous. Um, it's like, yeah. is it, uh, you wouldn't call them a button pusher because they're working with vinyl, but like, they exactly. that was like yeah. early <laughs> button just, pusher guy, just like he just dropping the needle exactly. and then <laughs> fist exactly. pump. Yeah, yeah, the kind of guy that was really happy when CD decks came out. <laughs> <laughs> with bpm like measures right 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 yeah well that's but then that kind of died i mean like each the vinyl was getting you know less being sold less and less because the digital era was starting right and a lot of kind of uh these distribution companies didn't look into the future you know they didn't um invest in this kind of digital feature of like downloads and so the company i worked for actually went bust you know so it all went kind of tits up yeah so after that, it was a bit of a kind of void where I was just making a lot of music and had no, nothing to do with it, really. And the kind of music I was making changed because, like you're saying, when, when the drugs stop, the kind of music doesn't sound as good. <laughs> so, I, like I mean, I was making annoyed. like minimal techno, and to me now, it just sounds horrible. Really? <laughs> it really sounds terrible. Is it just like, uh, it, what about it sounds terrible? I guess, like you said, it was all linked with like going out and taking the drugs and yeah. being with the friends and like dancing and all these things. And when you take it out of those elements, mm. it just lost its magic. You know, it was, it was kind of, to me now it sounds monotonous. Yeah. Like the music I make now is very musical. So I obviously had a musical kind of background, but um, I mean, a lot techno can be musical, but a lot of it is just noise to me now. <laughs> it's repetitive noise. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I kind of fell out of love with it. Mm, that's so interesting. More, yeah. So like when when like the whole dubstep stuff started coming back and like they were sort of taking it to another level where you just sort of like eh not like like I don't know like Skrillex I guess is the big one like that and even he's yeah. like outdated now but like yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> that's the thing about these music trends they kind of once you're past the trend hmm. it's, it's it sounds dated you know right and I think I think that about a lot of drum and bass it sounded really good at the time but when hmm. you look you know listen back to it it just sounds really kind of dated like it had its time and then right. it's 
it's gone, right? So yeah, it's it, yeah. It, it's funny when I listen to like beats that people made. Like you could tell it's like, wow, he made that on a Korg Triton, <laughs> you know, because you can sure. even hear the sounds of of the time itself, and you're just like, oh, yeah. like these these crappy phaser pads that you just like it just (laughs) it starts out stupid but what's funny about that is that it's gonna probably all recycle upon itself right like how like i really like the synth wave stuff you know i really love jojo jojo i can never say his name marauder uh, you know, like that kind of stuff, <laughs> that whole that whole scene back then, and and um, uh, you know it, that's huge now, and people just sort of, and at one time people sort of fell out of love with those sounds, and it became almost cheesy, and people made fun of it, yeah, you know, sure. like the never ending yeah. story uh, that that soundtrack's incredible, uh, but like at some point people were like, that's just ugh, you barf, yeah, and yeah. now it's just like that's just it's genius, and like everybody's on that train. <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, I'm one of those people, but like I, I it, the, the, I just like that. I, I like that thing sort of recycle upon itself. So I'm just wondering when those crappy early 2000 sounds are going to start coming back. <laughs> late 90s to early 2000 crappy sounds going to start becoming amazing to another generation. I don't know. So, so it's that, true. You're right. I mean, yeah, yeah definitely. Music works in cycles. Yeah. You know, definitely. Things go out of fashion and then they come back in. Yeah. So then, so then, when that sort of dried up, when that scene sort of dried up, were you? Um, did you start like? I was that. Go ahead. Yeah. I, well, I'm, I'm a quite a prolific artist, so like I need to make music. Kind of ah. the way I express myself. So. Oh, that's. I sad. was making just a lot of music, um, and it, this was more like instrumental, kind of like down tempo, I guess. Hmm. Um, and I was just making a lot of music and it was just staying on my computer literally for years. So I'd release a few albums, um, Creative Commons with a label. And I actually, with a few friends, we got a digital distribution deal, but again, it went nowhere, you know, because mm. it was, the times are changing and like, it was just very different knowing how to market digital. I mean, when you when we were selling records, it was all set up, you know, all the shops you sold to and right. the pre-orders and all this thing, you know, it's, it's really difficult and different trying to do it yourself digitally um it's just yeah yeah and you have to pay out a lot so yeah. it was quite depressing really because i was making a lot of music and it was just staying on my computer i didn't really know what to do with it um and it was just all kinds of music you're making sort of like how it yeah did. yeah i mean I, i've at the time it was definitely more kind of guitar based but also with all this electronic kind of element mm-hmm. just from the kind of i guess from the learning to make techno i learned to cut up samples quite well and just a few things that i've sort of brought into my my music my production but ah. with kind of like live instrumentation and right and just sort of like experimenting around like that um i've got i was big into kind of warp records i don't know if you have warp so mm. it's like got um apex twin and bonobo and oh Horses that was warp i thought that was ninja tune no no that was what i think they might have done stuff on ninja tunes as well but but they, yeah they were warp artists they were all kind of warp artists as well I didn't realize yeah, so, that. I didn't because uh, I love Bonobo and what Bonobo has done over the years. I mean, and it's really interesting. Uh, have you followed Bonobo and what he's been doing? Because like he's sort of uh, like not rever- recently, to be honest. You know, Bonobo has a big. He's influenced me a lot, but yeah. I've not kind of kept up with what he's been doing recently. But he's, you know, that's a massive influence. He's gone Bonobo. straight back to just like techno. 
and like it's very <laughs> yeah yeah it's just straight techno now it's like it's all synths it's all like it, it almost all sounds like inbox but like he goes and does these tours now where he just does dj tours and he just plays his 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 techno stuff and so now he's able to fit into this like edm festivals and shit so like He's actually, wow, you know, yeah, I mean, like, he's just keeping the, you know, he's just keeping the vibes going. He's seeing where the, the trends are going. And it was just really interesting to see him go because, you know, like he, like you're saying, he's like very sample based using real live instrumentation and then sort of mixing it and sampling it and flipping it and making it into uh, something new, something wild. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and then to see him just sort of go back into his... Or, or I mean, I'm probably that's probably where he started was doing that type stuff, you know. And, and <laughs> yeah, exactly. now it's just like right back to it. And uh, you know, I commend him for keeping a career going yeah, for yeah, so definitely. long. It's, it's always commendable when you can um, kind of defy genres and you can kind of like be mm -hmm. split amongst. Yeah. And I try to do that a lot with my music. You know, it's quite hard to genre my music because like I'll I'll make anything from like drill to Afrobeat to pop. yeah. Uh, classical you know it doesn't really matter to me well that's what so. was so amazing about going through your catalog is like just hitting these like dub songs and <laughs> and then this lo-fi yeah. thing uh uh so so you kind of always have sort of had an eclectic uh taste and 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 uh, uh the way that you made music was very eclectic and sort of just drawing from all these different influences uh, so so then you were just making music constantly. What what were you doing? Were you, did you have like a day job? Like how what were you? How no, was... I, li I literally had nothing. So I was oh. just making it and doing doing nothing with it. And um, in um, well, how do you support yourself the... though? Sorry, how do you support yourself? At the time, I was working. Yeah. So I was actually working full time. So this is again, I was working full time. The music industry stuff had stopped, like the distribution company. I was temping, and then from temping, I got full-time jobs to kind of support myself whilst trying to like have this kind of music dream <laughs> on the side. But I should probably mention as well, like um, I'm obviously being from an Asian family, like ha having a career in music wasn't really seen as a viable option. So, <laughs> so yeah, no, so no, no, no. yeah, it, you know. So my parents would see me making music, but they would always say, you know, this is just a hobby, right? You know, this is, you know, you're never going to. So I always had that in my head, like, music is just a hobby. Mm. It can never be more than just a hobby, you know. Yeah. It's just a pipe dream to kind of make money from it. But um, so, yeah, I've always had to kind of fight that self-doubt, I guess. Mm. Um, and in 2012... Um, my first wife passed away from cancer. So that was a oh, big kind of wow. defining moment where I just saw kind of like life was too short to kind of doubt yourself. So I just really went for my music then. I started like researching what to do with it, best places to put it, to get the most exposure. Um, and I came across, I'm not sure if you heard the website Free Music Archive. Um, I, I heard of it through your stuff. <laughs> sure, okay. So... Um, I read a few articles from people who had put their kind of music on there. And at the time it was like probably one of the only Creative Commons music sites where kind of um, independent artists could release music on these Creative Commons licenses. And it became kind of a big resource. There we go. Yeah, that's it. Became a big resource for content makers, like podcasters, video makers. So it started getting millions of people come to it every month. 
just to look for music. So I put my music on there for free, for free downloads, but on a license where people can't use it commercially or in a video without kind of contacting me or paying for a license. And I got a lot of attention from there, basically. And that's kind of how it all started. And because I had such a extensive back catalogue, I just started getting lots and lots of streams, yeah. Uh, lots of interest. So lots of companies would come to me through the Food Music Archive and uh, license music from me. Really? And this, so this website's been around for a long time? Yeah, it's been around from like 2007, I, I believe. Wow, that's really Something cool. Like that. And you, and yeah. so you could just sort of post it up here. It's sort of like almost exactly. like a SoundCloud, but for people to like, for... for uh, now, now, I mean, it's made for just background music or just to discover artists? Like Exactly. I mean, it started off just being because they noticed there wasn't a resource for music like there was for like images, for mm -hmm. example. Yeah. So it started off as being like the resource. And it was mentioned, I think, in one podcast, a big podcast, where lots of people just started coming to it as a resource, you know. Yeah. And, a lot, and at the same time, a lot of artists who didn't want to be signed to a label or a publisher, you know, this way we keep control of our music, you know. That's really cool. Now, it, it's all free music, and but they can you can get, like, tips and stuff like that. Um, That's right. But, but so this is sort of the start. When you start putting your music on here, this is sort of the start of you going into, like, sync licensing and stuff like that. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Before this point, I had no concept of kind of... I think I had one, my friend who worked for a marketing company or an advertising company, um, he paid me to use one of my tracks for a, for a video for a quite a big company. And that was like the only licensing thing I'd, I'd had in my life. Oh, um, once I started nice. putting my music up here, you know, gradually as a snowball effect, just more and more people. And I think I rode away if I was lucky at that time, that specific time when I started uploading here, which was 2014. Hmm. Um, there was just a lot of people on there, a lot of people from advertising agencies, a lot of people from, like, for example, like the United Nations. Like yeah. said, there was like people who make content for the United Nations on the Free Music Archive looking for music, oh, you know, for okay. podcasts. So they're, they're subscribed to me, you know, the, the, the content creator, the podcaster for the United Nations is sub uh, subscribed to my site. So he uses my music in his in his podcasts in their podcasts, you know. So that's really that's that, how it's done. That's know? really interesting, <laughs> man. Because you hear about like SoundCloud rappers or SoundCloud producers and stuff. It's interesting that FMA sort of slid under the radar for for me at least because I I, I pay attention to this kind of stuff. So that's really interesting that uh, that this thing sort of uh, helped sort of move that along, and, and now with. You know, because there was a certain time I think where the internet was the wild wild west, which it still kind of is. They're they're clamping yeah. down, but like you could just use music. You could you know there wasn't really any you know uh, um, there wasn't there there was a way to sort of ping onto these copyright infringements, but. A lot of people are just using music, just taking music. You know, oh, I'll just use you know the the go gos and behind my surf video or something. It's like, uh, so so as soon as things started clamping down, which around 2014, I think that's when they were really starting to clamp down, especially like YouTube and stuff. I remember YouTube; you could sort of still get away with using yeah. other people's yeah. music and. But they were starting to really clamp down on it, and and then there was this. That, that's really rad. Okay, so then you're you're sort of figuring out how 
this all works and and yeah. uh when when did you start finding success with uh with sort of the the sync licensing and, and working with you know companies or with tv producers or movie uh producers pretty much straight away like i said um this at that time there were literally so many um content creators so the more music i put up there um the more interest i'd get and at first you know because i had no idea what to charge no idea about licensing really um so i would just ask for donations you know so at first i'd get like a 25 pound 50 pound and then some someone gave me like 350 pound it was a cosmetics company oh and yeah, like I'll just ask for a notion. And, and I guess in my head, it makes you think I could do this for a living. You know, yeah. <laughs> when people yeah. like, and this is like my skill, you know, I love making music. It's what I'm good at. It's what I've done my whole life. What, you know, why can't I make money for it? So the more kind of interest and the more um, streams and downloads I got, the more I realized I could do this. So I set up a website because I think it's really important to have a website, you know, when, um, when you have people kind of checking you for their like content creators, especially if they're for working for a corporation or a big advertising company, the more professional you look, the more likely they are to just come to you and, and mm. ask, you know, so um, yeah. I set up a website. Um, and again, it was hard to know how much to charge because at the time, royalty free music license, because again, like you said, um, places like YouTube, content creators want this like royalty free music so they can monetize their content. Mm. So they pay for this one license once and then they can put it in their video. They can monetize their content. You know, there's mm. no royalties attached to it. So that's the industry that I'm in. I'm in this royalty free mm. licensing industry. And this industry is kind of growing because a, it's very expensive to license royalty music, royalty driven music, you know, and you can't monetize your content. Like you could work really hard for this video, use music that's, royalty driven and you, you can't monetize that, you know, the person who whose track it is gets gets your cash, you know. Right. So it's attractive. It's an attractive industry. Content is growing. So this is the kind of wave that I'm trying to ride now. Um so again, through this I've got been in contact with people like Grey's advertising. I've got a Volvo TV commercial. And it's all one good thing is that I've negotiated all of this myself. You know, so all of these contacts are contacts that I'm making. It's not a contact that a label's making or a publisher's making. Mm. And essentially that is the old way of doing things. You know, you give your music to a publisher, they'd have the rights to it. You know, you, you, you lose the rights to it, essentially. Yeah. You know, they're, they're making money off your art. This way, I always wanted to just maintain control of my whole library. So all of my tracks I'm in control of, I can license each of them, you know, any of them. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's obviously a business whereby once my library is there, like the website I've set up now is e-commerce, the licensing library is there, it's all automatic, and it's essentially a business where you don't have any stock, you know, you, you just have this music and you're selling a PDF saying you can use this track, you know, yeah. so it's it's limitless, you know, and it's empowering because you, you maintain control of, of all of it, you know. So the more I've seen it and the more I've made these uh, contacts and understood licensing more, um, and the way that these content creators work, uh, I've just realized I could do this myself. I don't need a publisher. I can be my own publisher. I can be my own licensing library. You know, I can do it all myself. So, and the FMA enabled all, pretty much all of that, you know. That's awesome. And then it's sort of like what you do with the IMLC, the, you sort of help people sort of understand. 
absolutely yeah you know yeah. you mentioned I've, I've shown go ahead please sorry no no no. You're... um yeah it was just to show other independent artists that they could do the same you know mm. that, that you can maintain control of your music um release it on a license that you want to you know and um and earn from it you know mm. and earn from it not give it up to uh yeah that's the thing all everything i've earned is 100 percent mine as well i'm not i'm not splitting it you know so it's just about showing other independent artists that they can do the, the same thing you know because as an independent artist probably as you know yourself it's good to have just like multiple streams of income yeah you know? oh yeah so to have a website you're earning from but also be earning from another website earning from spotify streams all, all of these things you know really just help right make, make your salary you know yeah, yeah. So it's just good to have your finger in all these different pies yeah so the imlc is just putting all these amazing artists together centralizing this licensing library and because we're all independent and because we all um you know it's artist to artist really you know mm. it's controlled by the artists um so it's just a lot more artist friendly and we can offer things like memberships these subscriptions that other kind of big companies can't really do yeah, yeah man it, i i think you make a good point there man it's sort of uh have your have your music under your control having it you know uh, available for people to use in in various ways having your fingers in in all these different pots making sure because it's very difficult to just be like, well, I am just a gig musician. And there's plenty of people who just do gigs and make money, and that's fine. But very, I, I, I seldomly see people just, you know, a, a, on a, you know, on a ground level artist where they're just, I just gig, that's it. You know, like they're, they're, they're writing, they're session players, they're doing all these other things that, exactly. that yeah. are feeding, uh, your monthly bills because just because you know we still have to pay rent we still have to pay our mortgages we still have to do stuff and uh yeah it, it, it's interesting how people will sort of put down people who do you, you you remember you're from this time too where it was considered almost selling out to have your music on a commercial and now <laughs> and now it's like that's what people are going for like man if exactly. only they would pick our yeah. music up yeah. for a commercial definitely uh, absolutely yeah go ahead because like um i guess back in the day most musicians thought like the only way you could make it in music was to come become famous and right. sell lots of records you know basically you know right but there's lots of ways of earning money and income in music you know from like playing weddings to like you say bars you know yeah. but licensing is is such a big one now because it's not so many people are making content hmm. you know? it's not just like these four film four tv channels you know right. so anyone anyone can start making content so the need for music just grown and to suit all of these kind of different things you know yeah so it's changing it, yeah it's ever changing man and it's it's interesting to see people still hold on to certain ideas like that like those were the best ideas of the time so that's what's going to be <laughs> the best idea forever yeah, but yeah but yeah, man, it, it's definitely one of those things where you you should be putting yourself out there on these websites. Absolutely. Now, you you know you have a lot of music. If you were suggesting to somebody who is trying to get into you know doing this royalty free hustle here, um, and I'm not trying to denigrate it by calling it a hustle, but it no, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, art. Awesome. Living well, I just did. Anyways, uh, the would you suggest them having a large back catalog before sort of getting Absolutely. into this? 
Definitely. I mean, that's the, the thing about all the times where I, w- I wasn't having success in music. I was always writing. Mm. So I was always adding to, to something, you know, and that's really important to just keep, like I always use the metaphor of like feeding a plant, right? You have to feed a plant for it to grow yeah. and you've got to feed it a lot. You know, if you really want to do something like music, it's, you have to do it. You just have to do it a lot. <laughs> you have yeah. to do, fit it in as, and do it as much as you can, feed it and keep feeding it. And eventually it will grow, it will keep growing and hopefully it will flower, you know, and bear fruit. You know, yeah. that's just how a pl- plants work, you know. <laughs> that's yeah. how it can work in a musical sense if you just keep feeding and doing the right things and feeding it the right things and having the right attitude. You know, that a big thing is my attitude changing, you know, and that actually really reflected in my music because I used to write quite angry techno and then I used to write quite weird down-tempo and now I write quite happy music, you know. It's, mm-hmm. um, um, it's changed, so my attitude towards it has changed and that's important, you know, you can make money from this you know there's no reason why you can't you know and it's there's so many ways now more than ever you know to 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 make money from music you know there's so many different avenues and so many different websites that can help and have cheapened the process you know like uh, mastering used to be a really really expensive process and now it's ai uh, admittedly has made it cheap you know really cheap and, I, and it's getting better all the time you know so. do you, do you use any ai mastering or I, do you do you I do. I've I've used eMastered quite a lot, mm. um, and I'm quite happy with it. To be honest, it's, it's quite impressive. I know um, it's a big debate, and the human ear is definitely the preferred thing. But I just can't afford it. You know, yeah, <laughs> the amount of music I make, uh, it would cost me thousands a month <laughs> to master them. You know, yeah. uh, to to use to to master music that may or may not ever be used or picked up exactly. by a company or an artist or a content exactly. creator exactly. it's like oh uh, yeah yeah i've i've found like because i'm on the podcast itself is on soundcloud so every month soundcloud gives you a certain amount of mastering that you can do um okay. for free and i've found really good success with the the i i forgot what it's called it's a it's a it, i guess it don't matter but it, it's still like this it, i don't know man you get five masters a month and i and i work me and my wife both work together in writing music for different artists and and you know so like if i'm doing mixing and mastering you know writing mixing mastering the whole thing from start to finish you know i don't i've already put in all this work of mixing and, and recording the music and you know sometimes we get somebody just singing into their iphone and it's like not even on key or anything we're just sort of trying to figure out what they're going so you're sitting here writing around this after you put out all that inf- put out all that work now it's like now you gotta go and master it and it's like man anything that sort of cuts down your time and your workflow and gets the job done, I think is the right way. Like, it, it yeah. again, like, I think I've learned that. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, please. Sorry. Yeah. I think I've learned that from, you know, working in the vinyl distribution company and them not looking at the future and just going, going bust, you know, it really taught that lesson that you have to like embrace the future, mm. you know, cause you can't change it. Yeah. You know, so you might as well use it to your advantage, you know, rather than try to fight against it, you know, so, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's it, it's silly. It's silly for for people to just hold on to their their little beliefs and like this is it. This is <laughs> it's like the person who bought like an iPhone one and was like, well, this is the best it's gonna be, and I'm just gonna hold on to my <laughs> iPhone one. <laughs> it's not gonna get any better than this. Um, no, have you uh, have you seen what's going on with Google and Music LM and the the text to music? Uh, AI that they're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard, I've heard of. Yeah, I've, I've even because there's like an AI music licensing site now. Oh, you know, so so I, like what I do basically, but you can get AI to kind of do it for you. Hmm. So I've been on a few of the sites to just have a look and <clears throat> see what's going on. But I'm not worried at the moment. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. No, because I, I was uh, a couple weeks ago, I was talking to a composer who does compositions for like, um, you know, like movies. He, he lives in Los Angeles and he's worked on like The Lion King and he's worked with Hans Zimmer and, and uh, what's, guys, what's the guy's name that does this, did the Simpsons theme? Um, Shit, I always forget. Anyways, he's worked with a lot of great people. And so I asked him sort of the same thing. Are you worried about AI? And he's like, not really, because it's sort of such a um it, it it's kind of it's kind of weak right now, but do you foresee it becoming some a problem? Do you see it for becoming something more than what it is now? Well, it will definitely become more than what it is. Um <laughs> Do you see it encroaching on your on your bottom line? I think just by nature, I'm quite flexible, and as things change, I will just try to embrace it and 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 change what I'm doing. And I think there will always be a human element that AI. I mean, AI has to learn off humans, right? It has to like be mm. fed music made by humans. So essentially, yeah. it's learning from us. And I think. You know, we're given a lot of kind of like dystopian AI futures, but um, <laughs> I don't kind of feed into kind of fear. And, mm. you know, I've even been using Bard. I've been talking to Bard, you know, mm. <laughs> you know the Google AI. Yeah. You know, and just because it learn, it's learning all the time, you know. Mm. So why can't we teach AI compassion and understanding and all these things? <laughs> that, well, I, I that think. Scare the and the other thing about AI is, well, especially things like Bard, they can't really lie. So if people are telling them things all the time, like you're wrong and, yeah. you know, and recently the, the elites are saying that they're scared of AI and we should stop using it. You know, mm. why? <laughs> is it because yeah, cause they're not going to too much. <laughs> well, I don't think that they're going to. That's the thing, too. It's like you got all these people like Elon Musk, which I still don't know if he's like, you know, the great savior or Lex Luthor. But like oh. he's a uh, um, but like he. I don't know. I don't see people who are billionaires who have access to this kind of technology not using it themselves either. It, it's sort of like we get to use it, but you don't because we don't like how it's, you know, <laughs> it's laying it That's all right. out. Yeah. And, but yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I, Music LM just sort of came uh, live for everybody. And um, 
I actually got it pulled up here. I, I'm, I'm interested in just dicking around with it just for, just a little bit, just to see. The, the interesting thing about Music LM, too, and this is what I was talking about with Stefan, the composer out in Los Angeles, is that it's, uh, you know, it, it, there's cues, there's emotional cues and stuff that go into movies or commercial, and, like, you know, there's crescendos at certain points. And he was like, it, it, it's, as of right now, it's hard to sort of dial that in. But that's not even true because with Music LM, they, they're showing examples of how like you can, you can, at, at, you can type it in at, at six minutes and seven seconds. I wanted to cue into a, you know, a, a chase scene. And here's that. And I thought he made a good point that maybe this will be something that's really useful for like maybe directors and uh, to be able to be like, I want music like this and then being able to type it in and then send it out sure. to a composer for them to sort of, you know, interpret it however they see it to, to be cool. And, and like, I like that idea, but man, I am, I, I lean more towards the like, the apocalyptic view of AI. <laughs> it, I've drinking the Kool-Aid. And, and and just well, it, I've seen the 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 thing is is that nobody wants to think that this stuff can happen, like like our jobs being lost to automation. But I'm from an area where that's exactly what happened. You know, I live a few miles. I live like 40 minutes south of Detroit. So Detroit was a big automotive. Uh, yeah. It was the automotive capital of the world at one point. And one by one, you see jobs being lost because of automation or, or the, the company ships overseas or down to Mexico where it's cheaper to produce uh, the, the cars and stuff. So uh, we've seen it firsthand. And then when you think about, you know, a blacksmith or something who used to always be making, you know, horseshoes or whatever that the blacksmith that uh they no longer have really a place here anymore or people who took care of horses and when cars came so there's all kinds of examples of how these things can sort of but Absolutely, then yeah. but 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 beyond that there's always seems like people sort of adjust to it i just don't know where people fit in in when most things are automated and i know there's like a a utopian view of it and then there's the apocalyptic view but I don't know. What do do you see a place for humanity? <laughs> once? I do, I do, yeah. I do, because I, I mean, I have faith in humanity, and I, you I have do. faith in the weather plan. You know, is going yeah. on here. But, um, yeah, you, and you're right. You know, the, the you know um, AI and you know, electronics has taken over jobs. Automation's taken over so many jobs. And you think about the printing industry and all these things. You know, so humans have to change their perspective and their consciousness you know we have to understand that maybe we're not here to work those kind of jobs and maybe we're here for a much more creative kind of experience mm. you know what happens if like people like us independent musicians artists realize that i have a skill i have i'm good at something and i can i can do something creative with it you know i can creatively do something because work is changing you know we have people who have Got no qualifications who are making millions just from their phone you know <laughs> it's just about True. your perspective and your consciousness about what what hmm. what are we here for you know right so you can definitely see that you know a lot of people are going to lose jobs because yeah. robots are going to take them ai is going to take over a lot of I mean, you look at the ai um the ai art kind of generators you know they started off really quite crap and in a quite a short space of time they've yes. got really quite good you know it's, well yeah and you think like what designers photographers you know 
all of all of us, all of us creative people, yeah, we we have, I guess, something to worry about in that respect. But we yeah. need to try to find a way to use it. I think. Yeah, and and, advantage. I, and like that's the cool thing too about it is like like I also create uh, create content on. Um, on TikTok and like YouTube stuff like that. So like I'll make short form content and um you know like the the shit I forgot what I was talking about with that. Oh. Damn it. I forgot what anyways. Uh that's what that's what you get for eating edibles for for the entire weekend. Um but this the the I want to just check out Music LM here. So let's go back over here. I got sort of pulled up here. So I put in there like a symphonic synthwave kids song. And uh, again, if anyone's interested, and if you're listening to this on the audio, um, please do go and check out Ketza's music library and what he's doing. And if you're in chat here live, I uh, just dropped the links. You can go to ketza.uk. Go check out his, his YouTube and his Twitter. Follow him. Make sure you're staying up to date on what he's doing. And, of course, if you're listening on the audio side, all those links are in the show notes. And I'll also drop a link to Music LM so you guys can kind of get an idea what's what we're doing here. Um, but so, so let's see. Symphonic. Oh, let me share this with you. Uh, so you can hear it, too. And then... Um, here we go. So this is symphonic synthwave kids song. Let let let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. Oh my god. That's not bad. That is not bad. That is not bad. Yeah. So, and yeah. then what's interesting too is that you can download them. You can download the files as well, but um, they're like crappy MP3s, like not even, not even high quality MP3s. So, using it for background music at this point isn't yeah. ideal. But again, I, I think you mentioned it earlier. It's like when you see the scale of improvement that even these image. Um, generators have been going it's wild have you seen oh my god have you seen like the new photoshop ai thing where it's um the generative backgrounds and stuff like yeah, yeah. it's i've used that actually photo leap <laughs> that is that what it is i thought that's one of them yeah photo leap that is generate. It's, it's insane it's insane yeah it's what you just i saw some with albert but... oh go ahead as a creative person because i like um I've been using that. I mean, it sounds a bit weird, but I've been using that um, that photo AI uh, art generator to kind of try to put images to my dreams. Oh wow! So because um, it's so it's so creative, you can like type in like what you dream about and then come up with an image and like manipulate it. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. That is rad. No, like I remember what I was saying earlier because I do short form content for like TikTok and stuff. I've been using AI to generate ideas or even stories uh -huh. or like even collect, uh, collect stories. Like, cause you can put in, you can prompt it to be like top 10 current trending music stories 
that you know and they'll give you like a list of it and then you can turn a a story into a script i always go by the script from ai because sometimes it's stupid but you can turn it you can prompt these things in the different you know just like you're saying we we got to figure out how we can use these things in our benefit and not look at it like oh my god they're taking my job now this right here music lm does scare the shit out of me (laughs) because because okay with with the idea of these image generators right like how many people on fiverr are are going to be losing money because they're just gonna they're somebody's gonna be like i need an album cover i know i'll just go on i ai image generator i i have so many friends who have just used ai imaging that for their album covers and you know there's an artist out there now that that, that's going hungry tonight because of that and that's true and and then so you have this again in its infancy that symphonic synthwave kid song was pretty fucking good let's hear the track because they give you two options so let's hear the other one They like have mute. They have like vocals in there and stuff. It's not. Yeah, that's pretty. It's, that's got better since I last heard it. Um, yeah. Okay. I, and okay. Give me a prompt. Give me something. Should we put Ketza type beat? Let's see if it does it. Ketza type beat. Let's see if it comes up with anything. I don't know. <laughs> Would you say that was a? It's a little. It's a little off-brand. I mean, I'm not worried about those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're not taking Ketz's job anytime soon. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll do one more, and we'll, we'll uh, okay. How about a lo-fi, um, a lo-fi metal um, reggae tune? <laughs> there we go, lo-fi metal reggae tune. Let's see what happens. That's not metal, but hey, it's it, that's insane. <laughs> it's wild. One more. <laughs> I mean, it's wild, man. It's wild. That is pretty wild. I mean, you wouldn't. Yeah, you wouldn't. If so, if 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 someone said that they'd made that a human, you wouldn't really disbelieve them, would you? <laughs> no, no. You'd be like, no, that 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 makes sense. That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that sounds like you made that. Um, 
No, it, it's a, it's it's. I just feel like in the next like five to ten years, things are just gonna be really crazy, and and I'm hoping for the best. It's, I try to stay optimistic on this whole situation because I have I've 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 a child, and uh, I don't know. Do you have any kids? That yeah, I've got a child. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I've got a boy. So, yeah, oh, dude, boys are awesome. Nothing against girls, but boys are awesome. I, like <laughs> I have a son too. He's he's a little he's a little badass. So. You know, you think about the future and you don't want to see a dark, you know, apocalyptic future. You want to see something. You want to tell yourself things are going to be good. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I think I think they can be. And I yeah. think, you know, a lot we create from our mind, right? So what we hold in our mind, we can man- we can make true. And I think if we all have this kind of really fearful like dystopian view of what's going to happen, like control and all this kind of stuff, we'll, we'll create it, you know. But, you know, why can't we imagine and manifest a really good future for our children, you know? I think the elites and the people who control all these agendas, you know, they, they probably wanted to be further along on this kind of agenda 2030 thing yes. past covid passports and all this kind of stuff you mm. know but especially in england you know they didn't get it yeah you know they really didn't get it over here you know all during lockdown there was plenty of you know, i attended a march with like at least over a million people definitely you know in central london and they didn't even report it you know there's wow. there's a real movement here where there's a lot of people who were just not going to do what they're being told to do you know so um We'll see how that develops but i have like i said i've always got faith and i've always got hope in this journey and um you know I'll, like you say our children are our future so um i don't know about you but i'm home, home educating my child we are there's a really good like, um home ed community where i am so oh that's cool it's amazing it's grown from three families to over 100 you know in about two years so. wow yeah so it's no. a movement of people yeah. who are willing to to educate them because i know kids who are at school and um they're being taught here essentially to not think mm-hmm. you know, to not question anything to accept what they're being told is fact you know and that's no there's no critical thinking going on anymore and, you know it's quite i don't i think a lot of parents can see it you know it's not it's not the education they want their child to have anymore yeah, like critical thinking is almost on like the level of you're a conspiracy theorist, and then the next step is like you're this far right extremist, right? Because you're yeah, you're yeah. thinking, you don't think like how we're telling you to think, so you must be someone. And over here exactly. we'll call them. So you're, so you're racist. <laughs> yeah. So oh, so yeah. So you're a fucking bigot. Oh, okay. All right. I get it. I fucking get it. No, it, yeah. it it has gotten to that point, and yeah, we are homeschooling our child, and and uh, oh, for that amazing. same for that same reason, man, it, it's like we honestly don't like what what we're seeing, and I, I think for again, like the pandemic really opened a lot of people's eyes to to how much how, how much fuckery is going on in 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 the state, in, or in the, on a federal level, on a state level, on a local level. And how the the media and all these like international conglomerates are sort of controlling what what we can and can't say or think or or see on TV, man. I had like you you said that you guys had almost a million people out at a march. You don't hear about that. The 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 protest in France, like you don't hear about these things. Yeah, exactly. But what's amazing is that you know they can 
there's no there was no publicity about it, but all the people there knew about it. Mm -hmm. you know? And like here, they're building like super prisons and stuff. They, you know, they can't deal with like a hundred thousand people not wanting to do what they're told. There's there's literally millions of us here. You know, mm. they've had enough. And like you said, these things are becoming more and more transparent. You know, these um these political people they don't represent us you know they're representing their agendas their globalist masters or whatever you know they, they are going to do things like uh, over here now they're doing this kind of like um ulez so they're like older cars have to pay 12 pound 50 every day just to drive and they've got cameras everywhere to like you know so they're all, this is the kind of thing they're doing and they're, they're trying to push it to this um a paisy drive scheme you know wow so that, you have to pay to use your car you know this is what they want it's all part of their kind of like green agenda or whatever right. they want to call it but it's all just all about control that's what it seems to be you know and it's quite transparent right you know? yeah and it uh, sucks too that they use these these movements like the green agenda because i mean you talk to any you know most musicians are, are pretty liberal and open-minded thinking and and yeah, we don't want our environment to go to hell. We don't want, to, you know, like, I, I, I don't think you're out there spraying Aquanet into the ozone, you know. Oh, fuck you. It's literally, we want the same things, but I think what's happening is they're being sort of co-opted and used Definitely. to sort of to, to push this weird control that, that they think is yeah. going to be okay it's like you got like weirdos like at the the, the wef whatever that dude's yeah. name is dressing up like darth That's vader <laughs> yeah and, he's and, like a james bond baddie <laughs> he is he's like like what what the hell is even going on here it's like they're not even trying to hide it anymore no they're not that's the thing they're not hiding it they're literally like flying private jets in record numbers to davos yeah. eating on like wagyu beef <laughs> telling you to telling you to eat bugs and don't turn your turn the temperature down in your house you know yeah, I mean, it's, yeah no <laughs> it's why it, you know and there's a lot of people like especially with temperature control that the everybody's getting those um those little digital things and then you know people start forums and it's like well what stops them from sort of digitally turning remotely turning your stuff down it's like you've had enough it, 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 it's it's weird and and that's why you yeah. haven't got enough yeah you got haven't got a high enough social credit score yeah <laughs> to have <Pete. laughs> and that's why you know and, and as fucked up as it is here it's like i'd rather i'd rather have uh guns to be able to protect what we what we have our property than not because again i, I, I see yeah. i see canada Canada 10 years ago, Trudeau was saying, like, guns are a part of our culture and it'll never be taken away. And then 10 years later, he's like, from this point forward, no one is able to buy, sell, or trade a handgun. And then, like, a month later, he's like, now no one is able to buy, sell uh, any military grade weapons, which is like, what what is that what's a military grade weapon because a military grade weapon can be a sidearm pistol like it could be a nine millimeter so what are you saying there's no clarity it, it's literally you take away people's right to defend their rights and their home their property and what are you going to do they just send in the, the cops they send in the army and and it's over yeah. The idea. Well, I think you have to look at history, right? It's happened before. <laughs> happened in Cambodia. So, when you have a corrupt government, the last thing you want that government to do is take away what you've got to defend yourself. So, I mean, I'm a liberal person. I've always, 
associated myself with left-leaning principles but you know like you said the more you understand life you know it's just both cheeks of the same ass you know it's, <laughs> they're both they're both there to make you less free you know <laughs> that's all it is literally you know? and you can paint it up in liberal ideas because it it, it catches out kind people right mm -hmm. kind people who want to help you know they're, they're like you say they're being misled that what they're doing is helping the earth or helping society, but it's not, you know, they're, they're, these people who are in control, they don't give two shits, <laughs> you know, about helping. Mm. It's the same people who've polluted the earth. It's the same people. So for them to say it, it's just hypocrisy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I know you got to get going. I know it's late for you, so I won't keep you too much longer. Um, I, I've been asking everybody this or trying to. Uh, what, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Best piece of advice I've ever got. Hmm. I know that's a tough one. It's not. It's not easy. It's a tough one. You know why? <laughs> because not, especially. I guess the best piece of advice I ever got was was when my wife passed away. Actually, and um, she she always just said to be to be better not bitter wow. so that's what i've always tried to do it's just because she wasn't you know she went through this process of falling sick with cancer and like dying but throughout that process you know she she actually got a lot of strength and i think within her soul or whatever you know she she really sorted things out you know on a ethereal kind of level on a metaphysical level because she had this strength you know where she was like even even in her last days she was laughing you know and she was really she she didn't cry for herself at all you know so <sighs> to me that yeah be better and not bitter so, be better yeah. not bitter that's beautiful man yeah. that, that is really beautiful and so was she young where i mean i take it she you was, both this was young. so this was um 12 this was in 2012 oh, she no. passed away yeah so she was only 31 oh wow but, um yeah oh, that's so i had that experience um, but again, it you know I didn't let it, I didn't let it destroy me, you know, right. because there's always a, there's always a reason and there's always a perspective that you can learn from things rather than feel like you're a victim or let life destroy you, you know. So and they always say when one door closes, another one opens, you know. So in my heart, I was very open to learning. I wasn't bitter, like I was just trying to better myself. Um, and um, I'm just blessed enough to meet another lady, you know, fall in love again, yeah. get married again and have my my son, you know. So um, in a short space of time, I saw, you know, death and life, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so these are the most important lessons, I think. So, yeah. Wow. I think with the future and like when you watch people pass away or when you, when you see the kind of relief and the release and you feel that release, you know that there's not much to fear you know mm. i know that sounds strange and and it's not morbid but just to see it and to experience it that there's this a release from this earth and actually not to be fearful and you know they're always trying to fear you know, throughout covid death is like the big fear they use to try to control you right yeah, yeah. So, you know terrorism you yeah and you're hard to control you know so <laughs> yeah man that's that's great that's it no I, I i've seen that many times in my family where it's just i mean my my aunt she she waited till we left because she just didn't want yeah, to she yeah. was like you know what because she was on her deathbed and we were watching her it was cancer and 
and she was cognizant the whole time and she was able to answer questions and then we were going to take her over to the hospice well as soon as we left she's like i'm checking out <laughs> like now that they're gone i'm out you know so i mean there at some point i think when people are facing their own mortality like that it's, they accept it and it's like you know this it's time it's she she was ready like you could just tell she was ready and well um you know i think uh, i think that's great last words man it'd be better not bitter